Welcome to another episode of Under the Blanket. And here we are. And, you know, listener, your whole life has been leading up to uh, sitting naked with a uh, hundred candles in uh, an abandoned church with uh, a battery. Bat- you got your phone all charged up and you're listening to this podcast in this abandoned church with all these candles naked. And uh, I'm glad you chose to make this such a sacred moment because your whole life has been leading up to this moment in that church with those candles. So be careful. Don't knock the candles down because we don't want you to catch on fire. Now we're under Miraji's blanket and we're in his cosmic heart and in his heart, we see all as one. And you know, uh, so, uh, I have a guest with me today. He's been on the show once before. And his episode actually got a little more views than uh, some of my other ones. So I, I, I thought I'd have him on again. Um, Evan, say hello. Hey. All right. Hello. So, uh, how are you doing today? I'm feeling pretty good. No complaints at all. All right. Well, you could complain if you want. I'm going to complain about let me think of something no i can't think of anything oh yeah i'll complain about joe rogan i'll start with joe rogan he's a douchebag he's sexist but you know what even though he's my podcast nemesis evan i gotta love him i mean he's a form of rom right that's, that's absolutely correct yeah so the only you know that's what i've noticed before we get into the books and stuff you know when i feel peace and understand the spiritual perspective i'm okay with it the way it is and my ego just seems to want even if it has good intentions like wanting people not to suffer or wanting the world to be better it seems like the ego wants things not to be as they are and and the divine heart is like they have a purpose as they are they're perfect as they are you know so you could maybe start saying something about that I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. All right, so, uh, yeah, the ego wants things to be different than they are. And in the divine heart, they are okay with the, the way they are. Uh, so it's like, could you comment on the difference between uh, wanting the world to be a certain way and then the divine heart that sees, like Miraji says, it's all perfect? Oh, Yes. Do you ever have uh, situations where you're like, things should be a little different than they are? Like, you stub your toe, don't you want to not feel that pain? Or, you you know, your, uh, you know your, your girlfriend left you or you lose a job? I mean, haven't you ever got caught up in that stuff? Yeah, of course. Um, a good example is uh, at my job where I work at, there are, uh, it's a group home for adults with uh, mental health issues. And... Sometimes when I go there, I see that they're very negative and caught up in their issues, and I, I want them to be a different way, and I see myself getting a little frustrating and not wanting to be around them because of how they're acting and reacting to certain things. But in my mind, I also know in my heart that, you know, this is also, this is... This is, this is also another form of God. The spark of God is in, within this, well, this imagine, person as well. 
you know, if we could just take a look at that person from the perspective of all their incarnations in the future and the past, if we could just see it all and then see everybody's incarnations and see how that connects with this universe of light and that universe of this, and then we'd be like, you know what? I see exactly why that person with mental health issues are going through what they're going through, you know? So, uh, but yet, you know, we can't push away that human heart, I think. So I think it's maybe a balance. Like, let your human heart break for them. Feel that empathy. It's okay to have in that human heart, I want this person to get better. But don't Absolutely. get lost in it, right? You got to see that this is just God in drag, as Ramdas says, you know? Exactly. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. You worded it a lot better. Well, I don't know about that. that see, that's the mind saying the ego just constantly compares. This is better. This is worse. I have the gift of Saraswati. I speak well. You don't speak as well. All that is ego. Who knows? Maybe one word you say, someone listening, it might be the way they need to hear it. And they're sitting and they're like, well, Baba here, love. He may say it well, but it didn't quite connect the puzzle piece into that specific puzzle piece. I mean, who are we to say I speak better, you know, on, I guess on a certain level. But, you know, anyway, what were we going into? Uh, OK, we're, let's start with the book. So Evan has brought some holy books or spiritual books, and he's going to read little passages and we're going to use that as talking points. So uh, pick a passage and we'll start there. Um, yeah, I'd like to share a little bit about uh, the Ramayana from the book that I was reading a while back called uh, Hanuman and the Devotion and Power of the Monkey God. Sounds good. Take it and away I have a few, with the Ramayana. And I have a few pages here I'd like to read, so I'll just get at it. <laughs> yeah. So everybody, you know, don't choke on your popcorn, please. Eat slowly as you listen. All right. To understand the Ramayana is to understand the meaning of the Dharma. In India, the noble soul is one who is able to minimize his personal interests for the sake of the majority. Liberation from our mortal coils can be obtained only through unselfish performance of all action. Unfortunately, the modern mind fails to see that spiritual life demands certain sacrifices for our personal demands. The, those who lack this understanding may not be able to understand Rama's behavior. It must be remembered that the Indian mind was always conditioned to place the highest value on the abstract principle of Dharma or cosmic law. A king who wants to adhere to the law must preforce have a place, have to place his country before himself in all situations. This applies to politicians too. We are happy to applaud the behavior of an English king who is prepared to forsake his country for satisfying his lust for a woman. But in India, this would be considered a shameful act. By putting his own petty pleasures before the needs of the country, he would be guilty of having betrayed his country, to which he, as king, should owe his first allegiance. Wow, this is a lot of political implications, spiritual implications. I mean, we live, I mean, India back in the day, I'm sure, had a society like that way back in the day. And, you know, the colonial imperialists came and took over India. A lot of that history perhaps is covered up. 
But regardless of that, I feel uh, there's a good example of, say, someone in, in our country, America, you know, that puts their petty, selfish concerns and their ego uh, ahead of the needs of Americans, our people living in America, are the world, global people, citizens, and the environment. And we all know who we're talking about. Ravana in human form, the Antichrist Trump. He's just a clear example. A clear, it's like so obvious that it's not about what he can do for his fellow countrymen, what he could do for the environment, what he could do for the world. It's all about his ego, his uh, status, the way he's perceived, everything about him. I, in fact, he may not even get that there are other existences besides his own ego. Maybe he's that lost in, in sociopathic, psychotic narcissism. Regardless of that, you know, uh, would he learn from these teachings? I mean, you could tell him, like, follow the Dharma. You have to sacrifice your personal needs for the needs of the whole, like it was saying. Would he even hear anything like that? Or would he just hear the echoes of his own mind? You know what I mean? Remember that part yes. in Be Here Now, Evan, where he, he, it says you look at the other person and you see what attracts you, what repels you, what excites you, what fascinates you, what bores you, what interests you. Are they even seeing the other person or are they seeing their own mind? So have you ever been in a situation where you were uh, egotistical like that, where you were lost in that? And then you uh, learned to sacrifice for a higher good. I mean, can you relate with any of that? Uh, yes. Uh, well, just recently... Uh, Like with my girlfriend, uh, we had to. Uh, I was spending a lot of time, spending a lot of my time, um, studying my books and watching videos, and I realized that I was, I was being kind of selfish about it, and that I should try to be more selfless and spend more time with her instead of just spending all of my time just studying all the time. So I had to sacrifice some of my time to give to her too. Exactly, that's a really good example, and you know. That could happen in spiritual pursuits. Like, you know, well, you know, for example, someone that has kids, they're like, well, you know, uh, I don't care. You know, I got to meditate. So they, uh, you know, put their kids and lock them in their room and throw a couple of video games at them and they go to meditate, you know, instead of, as Ramdas suggests, maybe making their kids their meditation, becoming yes. uh, conscious and mindful parents like you. Right. You could instead of just spending all of this time studying all these spiritual practices, meditating, you know, you could make her Kali, the goddess, you worship her as the divine mother, worship her as Pravati or Shakti or Kali and just make everything she says, the Dharma. And and when you're listening to her, every sound that comes out of her mouth, you see as perfection. You don't have to say, hey, baby. You know, I'm seeing you as perfect, baby. You know, like every word you're, no. Just see it. And I guarantee that shifts her consciousness, your consciousness, regardless of what book you read. There you are, just listening to a person with your heart 
And all of a sudden, your consciousness goes deeper into Dharma. She goes deeper into Dharma. And guess what, Evan? That connected, that microcosm of you and your girlfriend is a revolution. It's connected with Trump or America or anything that's happening in the world. It's all connected. So you making her a little more conscious by you being a conscious listener. Can you imagine that? Absolutely. I, I, I can't disagree with you. I do have uh, a bit more to read here. Yeah, yeah. Carry on. Carry on. That sounds great. All right. Thanks. In India, Rama was deified because he put his country before his needs of his own personal interest and was prepared to send away his most beloved wife in order to fulfill his role as a perfect matriarch. Valmiki took great care to show the extent of Rama's love for Sita so as to bring out the enormity of his sacrifice. Moreover, it is also to be noted that Rama refused to take another consort, even though it was customary in those times. It's because human beings and nations cling to their own selfish interests and shut their eyes to the welfare of other people and other nations that rule the world has come to such a sorry pass. If all rulers were prepared to follow the way of Rama, every country would be the be a Rama Rajaya. Or even nature bows to the decree of the monarch and humans and animals are able are always at peace with one another. The Ramayana is a book that brings out the true meaning of love in all its aspects. The modern people accept modern people find it hard to accept sorry. What modern people find hard to accept is the greater the love, the greater the sacrifices we are called upon to make. The Ramayana illustrates this clearly in the lives of the main characters. I'm going to say what the different characters, main characters have sacrificed here. Sita right. sacrifices her comfortable home and security of the love of the city to be with her husband she loves, daring to go with him to the dangerous forest where the animals and demons live. Rama sacrifices the throne and kingdom in order to honor the words of his father, whom he loves. Lakshmana sacrifices his own family and household in order to serve the brother from whom he loves more than himself. And and then later he chooses to sacrifice his own life to avert the course of sage Devarasa from the, his people and his country. Bharata sacrifices his comforts, which he easily... We could easily have enjoyed as regent and chooses to live a life of an aesthetic, refusing to grab the throne for himself. Like Lakshmana, he loves these sacrifices for the love. He makes these sacrifices for the love of his brother Rama. Hanuman, one of my favorites, Hanuman sacrifices his own interests again and again for Rama's sake. A classic example of the sacrifice of his ego is the passage in which he chooses to throw his own Ramayana into the ocean to make an old man, Velkimi, happy. And the vulture, Jaitya, sacrifices his life to save Sita due to his love for Rama. There are many such examples, so it is only the to be expected that this story, which is the story of love, sacrifice, love and sacrifice, should end in the sacrifice of Rama's beloved in the altar of Dharma, which he places above everything else. Yeah, uh, first I want to get into, you know, this shows what kind of age we live in. I was picking on Trump earlier, but look at all the, if you study uh, modern society and the leaders of any modern country, they're not doing any of this. They're not, they're sacrificing for capitalist interests 
for to line their own pockets, to ego, power. Um, that's it's like the opposite. That's why some people say we live in the Kali Yuga, the age of darkness, the age of ego, the age of materialism. Because look at our rulers. If you study even the the most you know countries that take care of their own people, that have serious issues, and all these people at the top, billionaires, have more wealth by uh, why, why, uh, than everybody. And it's like people are starving, and the climate's being destroyed, and all this kind of stuff. I don't think they're listening to this kind of dharma. It's all a dharma. You know, there is probably a few exceptions. But, you know, that's just one aspect of the Ramayana. My actual, which I think you'll uh, find interesting, Evan, is the in, inner journey, the esoteric meaning of the Ramayana, where Ram is you, is the self. And Sita on one hand, is the individual soul, and uh, Ravana is the ego. And what happens is Sita gets captured by Ravana, if you know the story. So the soul, where it's all, it's one with Rama, it's with Rama, goes and gets captured by the ego. And that's a person losing their true self-identity and getting lost in ego. But as you know in the story, Sita is always true to Ram. So even though your uh, person's consciousness is captured by the separate self, Ravana, ego, their their individual soul is always about Ram, you know, always about Ram. And then, this, you know, Hanuman is the method, the guru, the breath, the son of the wind, the breath, or, uh, you know, the mantra itself, whatever it is that does what he has to do, service, sacrifice, to reunite Sita with Ram and kill Ravana. So that is a really powerful message. It's we almost we we have to get lost in this ego to a certain extent. And then we eventually return to the true self and destroy the ego. And a lot of people can't deal with that. They're like, well I could deal with not identifying with my ego, but you mean Eventually, my true self, Ram, has to kill my ego. And I think, yes, that's becoming a fully realized being. It's just we have no examples of that. I mean, can you think of an example of a person in modern society who has destroyed their ego, killed their Ravana? Can you think of one? I can't. Maybe Amma. I don't even not sure if she even done that. She's a very pure bhakti, an amazing a uh, pure being, but has she gone all the way? I mean, these are interesting questions, right? Yeah, I agree. I'm, the only person I can think of is, you know, Maharaji, but he's left his body. But I'm really glad that you brought that up because it was a really tough decision between talking about the Dharma aspect of it or what thing that you just discussed. Well, I think they're interrelated, right? Oh, absolutely. What we do for each other and society and how we function in that is but sacrifice is intimately interrelated and interconnected with our inner journey. Because if we're captured, if the Sita is captured by Ravana, how are we going to make sacrifices for the greater good? How are we going to do our Dharma if Sita is in the clutches of Ravana, right? Absolutely. So it seems to me like the message is saying before you're even able to do your Dharma in society, Get your head straight, you know, get your consciousness worked out. The more important revolution 
is not the external one, the uprisings, not the thing that happened at the Capitol, but, you know, protests or voting or that's not as important as the inner revolution. If we change our minds and change our hearts, then we could better do our dharma. So I think that's the revolution I'm more interested in is, you know, like the Beatles say, right? Beatles said, hey, you want a revolution? We all want to change your head. You better free your mind instead. I mean, they could have been talking about the Ramayana, right? Very well could have been. Yeah, it's it's very similar. Yeah. So, you know, it's like there's so many elements. Another element, you may, I wonder if you heard this. It's mentioned in Be Here Now, so you probably heard it. Is that Sita, instead of symbolically representing uh, the soul, individual soul, in another interpretation, she represents Maya, illusion. And uh, they're walking along the jungle path, and there's Lakshman and Sita and Ram. And if you're a spiritual seeker, so you're following God, you're on the jungle path, you're on the spiritual path, but you can't see Ram because it's Sita, but you still know there's Ram. You know you're following Ram, but you look around you and you see war and you see fighting and you see uh, differences up, down, left, right, man, woman, big, little, all this kind of stuff. Sita, you're seeing Sita, but you know there's something more to it. You know there's Ram and you're following the path. And every now and then, as people that know the Ramayana, what does Sita do? She moves to one side. So Lakshman can see Ram, and what is that? That's the darshan of Christ. That's the glimpse of the possibility of oneness consciousness. You know, like you've had those glimpses, right? Where Sita moved oh. aside and you saw Ram, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. That, yeah. That's happened several times. So tell it's, me. It's not, it's not what just a regular. What does say to you when it all comes down to it? What does it speak to you about? It it tells it tells me to to be as selfless as possible and to go within and seek inside what's really there. Don't go looking outside out there. Go go within and look inside yourself. Yeah, I remember we had to talk about this where you were kind of doing your practices but not fully committed to the path, and I was like, listen. This is not something you do once in a while. Like it says to be here now. Sadhana is a full-time thing. You do it whether you're making love, taking a shit, voting, running down the street, playing cards, playing old school Mario 3. And you know, I'm ashamed to admit it on one level. I play once in a while old school Super Mario Brothers. But, you know, I am not forgetting God. I am offering that frivolous activity to Krishna or Ram, you know. And, you know, you could even use that as a practice, right? You're playing with little Mario. He's jumping, getting mushrooms, jumping on turtles. If I find myself getting caught in results, where's Mario going? Am I going to beat this level? Oh, I just lost a life on that level. What's happening? Ego. You know, not like it says in the Gita, another holy book, do what you do, but dedicate the fruits to me. Don't get taught in results, right? Absolutely. <clears throat> I do remember when we talked about last time, I was kind of half-assing it, and then I decided to 
go full-time devoted every day of my life to it and and i've seen a huge transformation in, in my life and in my personality and and uh yeah it's it's i'm really glad you helped push me to go all the way you know either well, either you, you want god me. or you don't want god <laughs> and we are one and the only i didn't say that thinking oh i'm gonna try to help him you know it was like just I was just flowing with Hanuman to serving Ram. You were Ram to me at that moment. And I was serving you. And I was just like, this is what he needs to hear. But I'm not thinking it. I'm not planning it. I'm not being, I'm the helper and you're the helpy. It was just that moment of flow. Yes, what can I do for Ram today? You know, and that, you know, I feel really, really happy right now. I, that, like, I feel you know, there's so many people, I don't know if you've encountered this, that do do it as a once-in-a-while thing. Or do it I have as come a across that. thing. Or I'm going to decorate my ego as a light worker thing. Or, and I'm not putting down this stuff. I'm just saying it's good to find authentic, pure seekers, really authentic practitioners that really just want to go the journey, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that as well, too. Yeah, so it is a little, you know, but that's, but then again, it's my ego. Like you started in the beginning, wanting it to be different than it is. It's perfect the way it is to my true self because it's all a, a fully determined process of awakening. Now, how about we, you read another, but do you have any more passages? Um, yeah, I do have a little bit about what you were talking about a minute ago. Yeah, okay, we'll read something else. All right, let me just. Find my bookmark here. All right. Here we go. Okay. Here, you got it right here. All right. Rama said, listen carefully, O monkey, to what I have to tell you. You have proved yourself to be a fitting recipient to hear this abstruse truth. Know me to be the supreme Purusha, the eternal, unchanging, un infinite spirit. I am that one supreme consciousness, totally indivisible. Everything is, in fact, nothing but consciousness. Wow. Sita then, Sita then continued, Know me to be Prakriti, cosmic matter, the supreme embodiment of all manifestation. I am the cradle of time and space, and all things exist in me. Rama is the transcendent absolute. I am the, his manifest power. I am the that principle that performs all these apparent acts of creation, preservation, and destruction. Actually, all the events that have taken place now are only the sport or the leela of the divine. They should not be confused with Rama's transcendent state, which is changeless, eternal, and imperishable. Rama continued, Together we constitute the universe. We validate each other's existence and delight in each other's company. I am the Paramatma soul of the universe and sita is the jivatman the embodied soul ravana is the ego that separates the two entities that unites them is what unites them is bhakti or devotion we are the embodiment of bhakti and hence this esoteric secret has been revealed to you hanuman listened intently to this discord next morning when he appeared in court rama asked him who are you Morti realized that the question was meant to test him, and he replied, From the point of view of the body, I am your servant. From the point of view of the mind and intellect, I am a portion of you. 
But from the point of view of the Atman, I am yourself. Sita and Rama were highly pleased with his beautiful explanation. Yeah. Uh, well, we're, we actually, that's a perfect uh, note to end it on. We've reached the end of the show. This has been Baba Here, Love, and Evan. And it was a really great show. And it's it just that last passage, just before we go, reminds me of me and my wife, Kali. We are one. It all is one. It's that changeless, eternal, nothing happening being. But we play as two. We play, and all this universe and all our manifestations is this one playing as two. The unity playing as the diversity. And you may say, well, look at all the shit that's happening. Well, you and Kali are really creating this grand, horrific co- cosmic romance. You know, and, I, and me and Kali are laughing, and we know it's worth it. And you'll all agree. Everybody will agree once you realize that you were in on it. There's no separation. So, ha ha, <laughs> Kali. Rom, rom. Yeah. All right. So, thanks for being on the show, Evan. Yeah, I'm really grateful that you invited me again. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.